Hello guys and welcome back to episode 15 here of the MMA Flashback. I'm James. And I'm Livio. And in this one today we're going to be delving into a couple new stories. UFC on Fox, Alvarez versus Poirier. As well as that we're going to be looking at our flashback card this week which was UFC 60. Just six prior to last week's event. And as well as that we'll be having a look at what is going down tonight and on Saturday with PFL 5 and UFC Two two seven, I think. Yeah, two two seven. Then a fight night. Then two two eight. Yeah. Yeah. All of that will be coming up now. So uh, yeah, bit of a quiet week in terms of in terms of news. news uh, it almost seems like it is leading up to uh, leading up to a major event, as this one is. Uh, we did obviously have a couple of news stories break, uh, a couple of interesting little things happening, but uh, I, I, I suppose the main focus of the week was that amazing card that we have in uh, Alberta, Canada. The UFC kept hyping about how they were going to bring another amazing card to Canada, or the, uh, Calgary rather, than Alberta. Because uh, obviously the last one fell through, and they delivered, I think. Yeah, I, really I enjoyed, it enjoyed the finish. Calgary card as well, yeah. Um, before we get into Calgary though, just obviously we'll yes. save that as the big one. Yeah. Um, talk about Rise in 11. Obviously that went down. Uh, if we just look at some of the main card action that happened, Darren Crookshank got a third round win. Uh, so keeping up his impressive streak over there in Rising, uh, I'm pretty sure he's unbeaten. So uh, wow. yeah, doing pretty well for himself over in Rising. Nope, he lost two fights, so he's currently five and two. So That's still decent. Not... One of his only losses are to Yasuki Yachi, who is considered by a lot of people as the biggest prospect outside the mm. UFC. Um, so yeah, that could be huge. Uh, Diego Brandau got a win, a round one ground and pound. Uh, I watched that fight and it looked like murder happened. Um, the ref stopped it way too late. Uh, Takanori Gomi got a win over Melvin Gallard. Melvin Gallard now winless in his last nine, nor eight and one, no contest including that. Uh, Kyochi Horiguchi got the win over Hiramasa Ogikobo. Uh, Ogikobo actually rocked him at one point uh, and Horiguchi was in quite a bit of trouble. Uh, but he was able to come back and get the decision win. And then we had Kana Asakura get the win over Renat Kubota in the main event. Uh, the second time that she has beaten Rena has Kana now. Um, so yeah, probably a bit of a passing of the guard was that fight. Mm. Uh, obviously 20 years old still is Asakura. Wow. And uh, yeah, having 15 fights on that record, pretty impressive. Getting it in. So that does that one then for Rising 11. Uh, another decent card from them. Rising are very fun. Um, I think if they want to progress though, they're going to need to sign some big names um, in, in air quotes there um, to kind of push on. I think not not necessarily just big names because I think they've got a few, few like you just mentioned Takanori Gomi who's a legend in the sport. Uh, I think it is, they have to fight uh, sign currently good fighters if that makes sense like yeah. fighters now that are progressing or just on the verge of becoming great fighters so they've got some like Yasuki Yachi yeah. who I mentioned yeah. um, Asakura yeah. she's there they've got some decent names under their belt but I think with Eddie Alvarez currently being a free agent I think that'd be a yeah. perfect one for them to try and pick up because their lightweight division could you imagine Alvarez versus Yachi could be an mm. amazing fight also it might just be that they don't care about breaking into America they, they've got their they've got they've a got big following market. yeah 100% they've got their Asian market they do have an MMA following full stop because obviously they're one of the bigger organisations out there top top 5 top 6 organisations out there and uh, they know their market they market very well to, to their target audience And they sell tickets exactly, well as well exactly they sell tickets so 
they might just not care. They might not have any desire to, to break into America just yet or into this side of the world just yet. So yeah. give them time, I suppose. Uh, and then the other card of the weekend was the previously mentioned UFC Calgary. Uh, so go ahead and talk about some of the fights on there. So on the fight pass prelims, our first fight of the evening was Devin Powell versus Alvaro Herrera. Pretty interesting one minute, yeah. 52 seconds, wasn't it? Herrera rocked Powell with a body kick. Yeah. Then back, Powell come back and rocked him with a body kick and then caught him with another massive body kick like four or five yeah. seconds after the fact. And uh, yeah, got the win by TKO. Herrera was still down when they oh, were yeah. making the official announcements. One. It was a nasty one. It, it it caught him and sort of like the edge of the foot caught him almost. It weren't quite the shin that caught him. It weren't the 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 toes. The foot. It was definitely yeah. the toes. Yeah. So I cannot imagine that was fun for the guy. And uh, yeah, just a nasty little knock uh, knockout. I suppose knockout in in a way with a body shot. But damn, man, that cannot feel good today. Probably like pissing blood at this point still, <laughs> even a week on. Isn't it? Nasty. But, yeah. Uh, Good for Devin Powell. We came back from uh, testicle surgery. Burst testicle. Burst testicle. Yeah. Ugh. Which is, I'll leave it at that. I don't want to talk about. That. You know what I'm saying? It's nasty. But the man who did it, Joe Lozon, was in his corner. So uh, yeah. good to see support still going there. <laughs> we then we had a women's strawweight division bout. We had Nina Anrasov taking on Randa Marcos, and Sarov uh, was able to get the unanimous decision win uh, and celebrated with partner Amanda Nunes. Um, you said last week about the potential of a uh, yeah. partner partner. Championship, uh, championship. Duo, yeah. yeah, I I could see it, man. I I couldn't. You I don't couldn't. think she beats anyone higher up in that strawweight division. We don't know, win it. We don't know. I mean, put her up against Joanna, even Tisha Torres. Joanna, yeah, they would. Be, Rose Namajunas, Jessica Andrade, Carolina Kalvevich. I just think she's in a good position because she's got. Uh, she obviously trains. Uh, where's Amanda trained? Uh, American Top Team. Uh, yeah. Great gym. Uh, yeah, great gym. Great gym, great training part, obviously, with Amanda and her other training part. So I think she's in a good position in that sense. But like you said, it, it is tough. She didn't fight the greatest person in the world. She's what was ranked 12th, 13th and was fighting 12th rank. So she probably breaks into that top 10 now. Uh, yeah, I mean, Marcos's record is now 8-6. and six, So Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. But uh, it was a decent showing from her, to be fair. So, yeah, not much I can say, to be fair. 29-28 win yeah. for her. Next fight of the evening was a flyweight bout. We had Dustin Ortiz taking on Matthias Nicolou. Both of us went for a Nicolou win. Yeah. Uh, I was listening back to the podcast, um, as I do throughout the week, yeah. um, after the event. And uh, I felt like such fools. Uh, Dustin Ortiz getting the round one knockout by well. head kick yeah. as well. And Nicolou blocked the kick, but still took it. And that was it. He just couldn't deal with the power of Dustin Ortiz. Fantastic win by him. Uh, winning three straight now in a row. Could this be a little uh, contender coming through here at Flyweight? It could very well be. Uh, I think they were speaking about his record beforehand. He was on a bit of a tear, if I'm not wrong. Uh, he's 19 and 7 overall, so it's not the not the worst record, but also not the, not the greatest record of all time. Jumping up to number say, 9 yeah. now in the rankings as well. One thing I will say, look at this. Strikes, total strikes, he landed 18% of his strikes. Which 18. isn't great. Which isn't great. He's 8 for 43 in strikes landed. Which, let's be was not amazing. But... What is amazing is that knockout and that win, so good on him. And uh, yeah, a, a contender, and it's always nice to see new contenders. We speak about it every week now. It's it's genuinely shaping up to be a good time in MMA for, for fans of the sport that aren't like just the casuals, like mainstream fans that actually watch every every event or most events. You've got people that you can watch out for now that are definitely climbing up them ranks. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. 
Yeah, a uh, good win for him either way. Next fight of the evening though was Alexis Davis taking on Caitlin Chukagian. And, <laughs> right, close the UFC app down next time. Um, yeah, we had Caitlin Chukagian taking on Alexis Davis. Um, yeah, good win for Chukagian. I struggled to score this one, if I'm honest. Um, I saw it as pretty even throughout most so did of the I. fight. So did I. Uh, um, I can't remember what I scored it as when I was watching it. I, I just remember, I was sort of like in and out of this fight, if I'm being perfectly honest, because yeah. it was during this fight. Chisora yeah. versus uh, Takam. Yeah, Carlos Takam. And that was an amazing last fight. So I was just sort of like, I'll have both on. And then you text me like, you need to watch this fight. And I was watching mainly the UFC. And then once you text me, I was just like solely focused on the boxing. So I, I didn't pay much attention to this fight. I haven't gone back to back and watched it. But uh, yeah, I was mostly focused on the uh, heavyweight Chisora Takam fight as well at that point. But from what I saw, Chukagian was fainting like almost every single fight she's in. Mm. And uh, yeah, come away with the unanimous decision win. Beat Davis. Yeah, what can you say? Who was number four ranked going into this. So a good win on her. Uh, Caitlin Chukagian is number seven as of the 26th of July. So that was last before the rankings were updated. Yeah. I don't know if they've been updated since. I would imagine that they have done. But maybe this weekend. Yeah. Good win for her either yeah. way. Next bout though was the featured bout on the Fight Pass prelims. We had John McDessey. Take it on Ross Pearson. Um, this fight was in between the Chisora and in between yeah, the main event, main event. of Dillian White and Joseph Parker. So they able to watch this one in full. Yeah. And uh, Ross Pearson never gives up. I can certainly say that. It's the one thing that you can, like the one good that you can take away from that fight for him is that he's a tough son of a bitch. But. Oh, wow. Chukagian is now number three ranked. Wow. She jumped up there. So yeah, Valentina won, Soraya Banks two. I think it probably helps it's a new division. You can jump up fairly high when it's a new division. But uh, like I was saying, John McDessie looked solid in that fight. Looked absolutely brilliant. But also you have to take into account that Ross Pearson's getting on in terms of years and experience and, and can't have too many left in him. I, I, I say that in terms of what you would expect. He might have another 10 fights in him. He seems like a tough guy that just would never quit. But uh, John McDessie looked amazing and again another real contender yeah Pearson now one and five uh in his last six and uh yeah 15 w losses to 20 wins so probably gets cut by the UFC I reckon mm. you could see him maybe in a cage warriors maybe yeah. in a Bama um Bama is probably the more likely organization because they seem to take older guys yeah. compared to cage warriors who bring through these new guys um so yeah can see him definitely going off there cage warriors are really good at that always bringing through the new guys they might have like some sort of thing with the UFC they, they do have they have yeah, deal, of course yeah. they've got their feeder league almost yeah there's a lot of feeder leagues out there yeah. for the ufc um but no moving on to the fox prelims now uh, we had a light heavyweight contest we had ian the hulk kutabala taking on gadriz murad antigulov uh and kutabala was able to get the win in the first round by knockout yeah. we both went for the dagestani yeah. uh antigulov so again didn't make the greatest Completely decision on this correctly. one uh but no kutabala getting the win uh punches and elbows inside that clinch yeah he and looked uh, solid yeah. as well he looked really good as well and a uh, little bit of a homage to the wrestling fans out there as well on yeah. his way into the to the ring or coming the page, out i suppose brett the hitman heart music and the sunglasses did it wrong though didn't give the sunglasses to a kid oh so, uh, i did not got that, that bit wrong supposed to do, but there we go. <laughs> uh, again he looked solid and another contender at light heavyweight man it's, it's 
hopefully coming nice through. Nice to see. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to see. <laughs> 24 years old as well. Exactly. That's the thing. We were. It, it comes in ebbs and flows, this sort of MMA thing. We were in a time where we were really struggling for contenders. We thought when John Jones was first or the second time that he was suspended, we were like, heavyweight division, uh, light heavyweight division's kind of messed up right now. you got DC, Alex is out, Jones can't fight, uh, Rumble's retired. Glover Tashira is still number two. Glover, yeah, exactly, you know what I'm saying? Like, it weren't looking great. And then all of a sudden... Uh, Everyone just comes Everyone's up. come through, yeah. yeah. A bunch of contenders, and it's looking good again. It's looking like, for a long time, it was the premier division in the UFC. It's, it's slowly climbing up to... Maybe not quite the premier, that 155. No, I think, yeah, amazing. 155 is still the premier. But, uh, and I think welterweight is oh, yeah. but it's, just it's, behind. It's climbing up them ranks. It's climbing up them ranks because it was, at, at, for a long time, pretty poor. I'd put heavyweight above light heavyweight at the moment, if I'm honest. Because if you look at the batch of contenders that are still there, uh, so you've got Stipe, yeah. Volkov, or Volkan, um, Blades, uh, Derek Lewis Enganu mm. probably still is a contender if we think about Possibly, it he didn't yeah. have the greatest showing in his last two but if he gets the confidence back say he knocks in his next guy out in the first round bang he's all of a sudden got that allure about him again yeah uh, but talking about the lightweight division uh, the next contest was there uh, we had Raging Cajun Johnson uh, who pulled a prank on Dana White uh, going for the handshake and then pulling away um, he ended up paying for that as he got tapped out in the first round by Islam Makachev. Uh, Makachev is a teammate of Khabib Nurmagomedov. And uh, yeah, good win. 100%. Uh, DC spoke a lot of good stuff about this man uh, as well beforehand and so did Khabib. So uh, it's just that... What else can you say, man? He, he's teammates with Khabib, trains with DC. Like You know that wrestling's going to be friggin' solid. And it was. So yeah. Another Dagestani exactly. coming through. Five and one in the UFC now, four fight win streak for him. Uh, called out Tony Ferguson and Brock Lesnar afterwards. Yeah. So uh, last week I we like had that. Mendez calling out Brock. Now we've got Islam Makachev calling I like Brock that out. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Everyone's calling Brock out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can't wait for next week when DJ starts to call him out. Um, no, the next fight though was a featherweight contest. We had Hakim Dawudu taking on Austin Arnett. Dawudu is an interesting one. Uh, so his career has only fought in WSOF and the UFC. Okay. He's ten. Uh, sorry, he's eight one and one. With his only loss coming to Danny Henry in thirty nine seconds, uh, which was his previous fight before this. And he holds a win over Steven Siler, uh, who's hot right now in WSOF. Yeah. So this is a real interesting prospect at featherweight. Ariel held when he tipped him to go on to do big things before the Danny Henry yeah. fight obviously got tapped out in 36 seconds but comes away with a prof uh, impressive performance again today yeah, a really 30 27 performance, a really impressive performance uh i like the way he looked in this fight i also want to say he's got a fairly cool nickname mean hakeem <laughs> pretty cool rhymes always like a rhyming nickname but yeah he looked awesome against the uh, austin arnett who i don't know maybe it just weren't his night his night or what but uh hakeem just looked just looks solid and definitely looked like he's he should be one to watch out for. Still got a solid record, a little bit more experience in him, a couple more fights, and I think that he, he easily breaks into that top 10, maybe that top 15. And you've got to remember the thing with these guys. He doesn't have the greatest amount of experience at the moment, but yeah. he, he's 9-0 and as an amateur, where he picked up seven KOs as yeah. well. And he's 42-4 and as a kickboxer as well. So yeah, exactly. So uh, He's been around the block. You know that stand-up's going to be solid uh, as long as he can get that wrestling... Uh, all that takedown defense done in that sort of like counter wrestling 
get improve on that a little bit and uh, yeah 27 years of age as well man. so yeah, a dangerous, still a young man. man not even hit that prime yet so next contest trouble. was the welterweight division uh, the only welterweight division f uh, fight of the whole night we had Jordan Mean taking on Alex Moreno Mean got the unanimous decision win 29-28 yeah have no real thoughts on this one exactly the same here bud uh, the next contest was Alexander Hernandez, who has finally got himself a Wikipedia page. Uh, he took on Olivia Orbin Mercia, and uh, Hernandez came away with a unanimous decision victory in his second UFC win. And uh, yeah, we talk about lightweight division being stacked. <sighs> Here's another contender to throw yeah. in the mix. Uh, but bad for Olivia Orbin Mercia. He seemed like he was just starting to get a little bit of momentum. The UFC were just. Slowly, slowly pushing him. They had a T-shirt for him. They were putting, on a, putting him on a main card, although the curtain opener, or the curtain jerker, if you will, the show opener. Uh, sad, but this is how fighting works. And Alexander Hernandez looked good, looked really solid. And uh, I don't think it's the end for Olivia Ovi Mercy. I still think he's got a lot to give to that division. Yeah, um, I think Hernandez is... A big prospect yeah. to watch out for. Um, if I was the UFC, I would pair him up with Gregor Gillespie next. Put these two young lions against each other. See what happens. Could be a real interesting matchup. Yeah. And 25 years of old is Hernandez, so damn. A lot of experience to gain and a lot of uh, fighting time left for him. Yeah. The next contest, though, was a women's strawweight bout. We had Joanna Junjajek taking on Tisha Torres. It's a pretty unanimous win for Joanna, winning the fight 30-27. Yeah. Pretty dominant performance on her part. Yeah, same old Joanna sort of style. It's her back to... Duh, duh, duh. Yeah, just that constant pressure. Maybe not constant pressure, but that constant striking, outlanding you, always in your face, sort of uh, just just tapping up your face, basically. It's never like a knockout she never, blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's never anything slowly too crazy, built up. but she's just constantly at you. Sort of like that, that Diaz style where they're just peppering you with shots. It's never 50 like... 50% exactly. all the time. It's never that... Exactly, it's never that sort of... Uh, 100% power, 100% power, 100% power. I'm never going to try and knock you out. I'm just going to let these punches build up until eventually you just can't handle them anymore and you either get knocked out or I beat you via decision. Yeah. It's Joanna's style. She looked amazing though. Uh, the next one, though, was the co-main event of the evening. The featherweight division saw their second fight of the evening. We saw Jose Aldo take on Jeremy Stevens in about where we saw the number two contender take on the number four. And um, yeah... I was very happy for um, yeah, Jose so Aldo. I. I think we both predict Jeremy Stevens uh, going into this fight. I saw the weigh-ins and I think I thought Jose Aldo will not make it past the first round. I thought he looked gaunt, he looked worn out, he looked drawn out, everything. He looked awful at the weigh-ins. But then we spoke about Joanna looking at her best. Jose Aldo looked fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, I do think the UFC would have preferred him to lose. I think if Max Holloway is back, I think it's tough making that third fight when he lost both fights really, really clearly. In my opinion. Yeah, I don't reckon they make that first. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there wasn't any sort of... In my mind, there's no question. Give him a few fights first. I think if he has a few bouts first, see how he does. I was looking interested to know how many fights does Jose Aldo have left in him. He spoke about this being his last contract. The UFC, we know, usually does about four fight deals, three fight deals, five fight deals. And it's very rare. I mean, sometimes you get a crazy fight deal or something like that. But usually it's sort of a couple like of fights. Like a run. Anderson or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, usually it's not too many in a row. And him saying that this is my last contract leads me to believe that he's not going to have another 10 fights. 
so I don't know how much he's got left in him. Maybe he moves up to 155. He looked really, really worn out at that weigh-in, so I couldn't. I wouldn't be surprised, sorry, if he moves up to 155. Potentially, I think Aldo's always looked like that, though. Yeah, he's always looking dead on the scales, if that makes sense. So I see Aldo staying yeah. at this division and just see him carrying on what he does, just riding. Riding it I out. think best case scenario for him and maybe the UFC is if Max decides that he either wants to fight at 45 and loses the belt to, to Ortega or he decides to jump up to 55 and that opens up the division for, for someone like Jose Aldo to I fight think you could, again. If, you, if he does lead the 145 division, I think you could easily make the case for Ortega versus Aldo yeah. for the belt. Granted, Aldo, this is, that was his first win apart from... It was, but he's, Edgar. you know, Jose Aldo, the sort of, he went, was what, on like a 16 fight win streak at one point, 10 years undefeated in that 10, or 10 years undefeated, but you only had one loss in like 15 or whatever it was. Yeah. So uh, in 15 years, that is, or something, something crazy like that. So <laughs> there's not much bad that you can say about Jose other than those, you know, two, two uh, Max Holloway losses and that Connor loss, which, you know, you could arguably say that that Connor loss was a bit of a fluke, 13 seconds. Not fluke in the sense that Conor may have gone on to win that fight, but fluke in the sense that you don't know what would have happened, isn't it? So uh, it's fairly crazy. Yeah, pretty mad one. Um, but the main event note of the evening was a lightweight division bout, and we ended up seeing Eddie Alvarez yeah. kind of get robbed from a win, potentially, from his coach at one point. Was on top, was dominating Poirier, and yeah. then... Mark Henry in the background signals a 12 to 6 elbow. So Alvarez hits a 12 to 6 elbow I think, and the ref stands him up. I think it's silly. Dustin but Poirier looks good. I think it's silly, but I think also he knows the rules. So despite how Mark Henry's signaling, I don't think he was like, do the 12 to 6. I think he was just saying, hit some elbows in it because that's how I would do. Although I'd probably go sideways in it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah, if yeah. you're doing elbows, something like that. But uh, he knows the rules. He knows he shouldn't have done them. It's kind of stupid, but... It is what it is, man. I think, I think it's a deserved win for uh, Poirier. I think he looked he looked outstanding. He looked, outstanding. Yeah. He looked like On he was feet. winning the first fight as well before the controversy of the knees. Uh, and Alvarez has not done himself justice. Let's be perfectly honest here. First fight ends in a no contest because of knees. Should have ended in a disqualification. Yeah. Second fight. You break the rules again, it could have ended in another disqualification. I think someone put up a video where he broke the rules 17 times or something in that fight. Or something crazy like that. And you just think to yourself, like, I had never associated Eddie Alvarez as being a dirty fighter. But maybe he is, man. Maybe he's just a bit of a, of a nasty guy. I don't know. I reckon it was just... I think it's in the moment. Yeah. I, I think he's just trying to get the upper hand. And there's a bit of bad blood between these guys. So, yeah. So the, the knockout from Poirier was outstanding yeah. the the finish the combination uh, the constant strikes the head kicks everything uh, really impressive with Dustin Poirier um, now if I'm the UFC if Tony's ready I think you have the main event of Conor Habib and then Tony Poirier Tony Poirier yeah, yeah underneath that 100% I think because the... then you've got both guys fighting on the same card so the time of recovery will be around about the same yeah. time um, and then the time that they'll be able to fight afterwards will match up as well yeah 100 percent. i think it's a i think it's a very good situation for the ufc in terms of that i think that they would very happily match up uh conor and poirier again i think 
that's that's obviously speaking if Connor manages to beat Habib or even if he doesn't manage to beat Habib I think a Connor Poirier matchup again would be a, a decent matchup I also think uh, Tony and Poirier is a decent fight I think yeah. Poirier is a, a dangerous fighter for, for he's got a good Tony. ground game as well exactly. as Poirier so he's he's not exactly he's no slack to the ground and his stand up is, is really really solid so it's an interesting one to watch I also think that uh, Kevin Lee I think he, he's probably not I reckon. I don't know if you I genuinely think what we discussed the other week, 65, the sixty-five, I him versus GSP. I, I honestly think that that's a thing. I think him v GSP for the sixty-five belt will headline MSG now. I'm not sure if it'd be him versus GSP. I think it might be for sure if they do a sixty-five. Him v Colby. Connor or GSP are going to be the headliner for that, hundred percent. I think if there is a sixty-five belt and they announce it soon, I would not be surprised to see Habib Connor sixty-five. Nah, because that I puts not, lightweight. Nah, it does, but I would. It puts it on what? On pause. Yeah. Do they care? Nah, but it's just they bullshit. It doesn't make bit. sense. It doesn't They're, make sense. That think, does not make sense at way. all. Think about it this way: they tried to put two women's divisions on hold with the Cyborg Nunes fight. I just they don't think it, it makes any sense. They did it with uh, 180 for so long, leading up to the Bisping uh, GSP fight. They did it with heavyweight and light heavyweight, and they're trying to do it with flyweight and bantamweight. It, they honestly don't care it doesn't make sense but they don't care it makes sense in terms of money so that's why it will happen it don't like, make it sense in terms me. of money I don't think either you don't think that fight would make would be a draw One six, no I think the fight and then the winner fights GSP at, for the 165 belt just, GSP you can still do that either way champ. with GSP versus Kevin Lee because at least then you've got the 155 could belt do, but Kevin Lee is not a bigger draw as, uh, but GSP is a massive GSP's draw MSG card only drew 800,000 yeah, so oh, just throw him on MSG with that with a big undercard I'm saying, again I'm just saying that it would not surprise me I think Habib's wanted that fight uh, Connor's probably wanted that fight GSP definitely wants that fight I don't think GSP wants to fight Kevin Lee I think GSP has said on numerous occasions that he wants Connor or that other belt on numerous occasions so it would not surprise me I don't think that happens though it, I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me. It's not what if I want it to did, happen. then I'm going to be very disappointed. What I want to happen is is the Conor Habib fight at 55. The winner then goes to, on to fight Tony. That's what I want to happen. I just it would not surprise me. I just don't think Kevin Lee has enough draw power to to fight GSP. I'd be really disappointed yeah. if they did do that. Yeah, really disappointed. It is a disappointing one, but it's the way the UFC works. I think if they add that extra division, there's no way that they don't add it. Do you know what? They might shit. not even add the extra division because there's been yeah. no talk. There, there has been. It's no just talk the fighters wanting it. As a matter of fact, Dana's like come out on a bunch of occasions saying no more divisions in it. Although having said that, he also added he a had, flyweight yeah, and a featherweight. No more one. There's not going to be a women's 145, and then he added the women's 145, and he said there's not going to be a women's 135 or 125, whatever it is, and then he added the. And then he has an ultimate fight yeah, season of it. Exactly. So. Uh, they're not exactly known for being trustworthy and I wouldn't be surprised. I also think if you have the 65, it probably shakes up some of the other divisions a little bit. So that might be what they're worried about. I think the 165 division could be mad as well. I just think it would be the perfect Considering division. who you've got, like, you could have um, Colby come down because he always weighs in at like 169. Yeah. So that's like, what, three pounds for him to cut yeah. extra. So cool, firm in there. But it'd be interesting to see if they, if they kept the 170 or if they moved it to 175, 185. 205 and then heavyweight I think that's what they would do I still think they need to add the 225 division if I'm honest 225 oh so I thought it was like 125 I was like of course there's a 125 225 yeah makes sense it, it definitely makes sense and then 225 for the upper limits of heavyweight one, uh, 260 or whatever it is 265 what it is now it makes sense because if you think about it 
someone weighs in at, at two fifteen for a heavyweight fight, and someone else weighs in at two forty, two fifty. Yeah, it's just a big gap in it. Like Brock Lesnar is going to come in cutting weight for a fight. Yeah, it's not an easy one. But uh, yeah, is what it is, I suppose. Uh, yeah, moving on to the news now then. Um, so if we just take a look at some of the stuff that's gone on, uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, is one in a fight with Derek Brunson, but Derek Brunson is one in a fight with Israel, and Israel just wants to fight anyone. anyone. So uh, yeah, interesting one there. I'd like to see that Brunson versus Carlos Jr. fight because I think Carlos Jr.'s earned a top fight now. Um, he's done really well since dropping down to middleweight, and I think him versus Brunson probably could headline that Brazil card coming up. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, the next one, uh, Colby Covington is not happy about Darren Till getting the uh, UFC title shot. Um, his coach, Mike Brown, said that uh, Darren Till getting the belt, um, sorry, the uh, title shot, is actually devaluing the division uh, since Colby is an interim champ. It is. Uh, I don't agree with that because I don't think the interim belt didn't matter anyway. I think, I think, I, I do agree with it that it does devalue interim belts, but also at the same time, interim belts were devalued. We spoke about it on the podcast ages ago about how from the offset since the beginning of his injury Tyron Woodley said that he wanted to fight end of summer early September he said that so making a fight making what's his name uh, Colby Covington fight two months beforehand or a month and a half beforehand was a stupid thing because very rarely do you have a fight a turn round at that level at championship level fight and then two months later be like I'm ready to fight the champion yeah. especially someone like Tyron Woodley so having known that first of all why would Colby go into that fight thinking that he's going to get a shot at Woodley straight away. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people thought that it would never, like he, him versus Woodley, wasn't going to happen. If it was going to happen, it'd be like November time. But Woodley was like, "I'm not down to fight November. I want to fight August, September time." So I don't know what they're what they're expecting now, innit? If you're not ready to fight now, then the UFC moves on, and we know that the UFC genuinely doesn't care about those interim titles. They're just there to, to try. They're and just, just oh, everything's just all a big mess up at the moment. At, at the time, it is literally <laughs> there to set, the interim titles are just there to sell tickets and, and to buy and to sell pay per views. It means nothing else. How uh, many interim titles? We had the Tony interim title. We mean it meant nothing. Now we've had the Colby interim title. It has meant nothing. The call, uh, the Tony one kind of did mean some at that time because Tony was the number one. Yeah, he was and set then he to got fight Khabib yeah, for it I, because McGregor was on his random leave of absence sure. and then it was going to be him versus Khabib originally but then Kevin Lee had to step up and then he was going to unify the belts with Khabib because Connor was getting stripped but then yeah loads of stuff happened yeah so I think the interim belt there did make sense but, but I honestly think it that you didn't need an interim belt there I think that you could have just had a belt there you didn't need it do you know what I'm saying like you could but have just stripped Connor and had an actual there. belt do, do you do you see what I'm saying like the Connor stripping came too late from for my opinion and I'm a Connor I, I love Connor I'm a fan but I just think it came too late I think you could have instead of having an interim title stripped Connor and then just had an actual title and then you wouldn't have this situation where Tony was the interim champ but he never lost the interim belt Habib's now the champ and Connor was the champ but never lost the belt either now you have three guys that all have a claim to that title it also Do you know what I'm saying? mixes like, it up massively it does and everyone has a claim to it so now anyone if, could if get Connor it if Connor gets that Habib fight Tony's sitting there saying but I was interim champ number yeah, one contender thing is on him. if they went ahead and announced now Khabib versus Tony you wouldn't complain because no, no, I you know yeah. no, no, but I then if they announced McGregor versus Khabib you wouldn't complain oh, I'd be happy, so that's why yeah, I'd yeah. be happy either way but from a fighter's perspective you'd be annoyed because in all likelihood we say about the Poirier fight I wouldn't be surprised if they do uh, Tony versus Kevin Lee again and then if you're Tony you're I reckon thinking, it's Poirier 
Oh, it should 100% be Poirier because he's on a tear in it, but I, I, like, I wouldn't be surprised, isn't it? I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. And then if you're Tony, you're thinking, but I just beat this guy for the interim belt and I don't get my title shot, I have to fight him again. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're Tony, you'd lose your mind and be pulling out the remaining hair that you do have. So it's a bit of a shame from that sense. But I suppose that's what happens when you have absolute killers in, at 155. Oh, 150, sorry. Oh, no. Yeah, I was right, 155. <laughs> uh, so the next news story uh, is regarding Bellator. Uh, so Bellator have actually went ahead and signed 24 UK and yeah. Ireland fighters. Um, on the same day that they announced this, uh, it was reported that Bellator would launch a newly created localised six-event series in the UK and Ireland in the 12 months across uh, in, t- in the 12 months from October November 2018. Um, so the list of fighters that have been signed uh, include Terry Brazier, who was a former two-weight world champ at uh, Bama, so uh, the original one, lightweight and yeah. welterweight. We had Pedro Carvalho, who won at Bellator 200. We had Konstantin Gunyasurev, who's fighting from out of Ireland, but by way of Moldova. Luka Jelic, who's fighting out of Ireland by way of Croatia. Charlie Leary, Lewis Long, Norman Park, Miles Price, Paul Redmond, uh, Daniel Scazzini, who's fighting out of Ireland by way of Italy. Sam Slater, Richie Smullen, who was on the recent Ultimate Fighter um, series. Tim Wilde. Um, and then in the welterweight division, they signed Reuben Crawford, who's fighting out of Ireland by way of Germany, Kiefer Crosby, uh, Walter Gazada, uh, Richard Kiley, Eon Pascu, who's fighting out of Ireland from Romania, uh, Jim Woolhead. And in the featherweights, they've signed Dylan Logan and Nathan Rose. In the middleweight division, they've signed Claudio Conti and John Redmond. And in the women's flyweight division, they've introduced Antolia Orlik is fighting out of Ireland from Croatia. Um, so according to the press release, uh, Scott Koger has said that it is his top priority to uh, make the uh, the growth of Bellator uh, over here in the UK. Um, yeah, his yeah. top priority. Uh, he said, quote, growing the organisation, sorry, growing the Bellator organisation throughout the UK and Ireland has been a top priority for some time now. Adding up and coming as well as established talent uh, from the region to our roster plays a crucial role in us able to make the steps into this market. Our fans in the UK and Ireland can anticipate as much a much stronger Bellator presence and can look to, forward to seeing some of Western Europe's best MMA fighters inside the Bellator cage in the near future. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. I uh, agree. I oh, next last one. Sorry. Um, so the little series, the six-part series that we said about, uh, will be locally televised uh, as they're planning to get a TV deal for that cool. awesome. they're in talks so that was my one thing I was going to say uh, as long as it's live if it's UK then it'll be UK time which I'm really really happy about uh, buzzing exactly because <laughs> also if it's in the UK it will be local-ish yeah. so potential to go as well yeah exactly it'll be it'll be not just that but it'll be fighters that are known throughout sort of the areas and stuff like that it won't be like necessarily massive people I think they will still come to the UK as well I don't think just because they're having this six fight series that they're not gonna have maybe they do their six fight series and then do a big card yeah they, I, it wouldn't surprise me do the six fight series and then at the end of the year have a, a big card with all the winners or something like that one fighting and then have plus like a, having like a MVP mental main daily event. Head, headline yeah, yeah or like, I'd be down for that any top main yeah, event I'd, like I'd be down for that maybe they do the SBG versus uh, Pitbull Brothers yeah. gym fight like they said they want to do it, it wouldn't surprise me they've shown before that they have a real sort of interest in breaking into this market uh, I think they've already broken into this market in the sense that a lot of people know uh, about Bellator now. Uh, 
I do think a lot of people know about Bellator for the wrong reasons, unfortunately, as well. I think there for was a Kimbo, Ken. Kimbo and stuff like that. I think at the, the last event that we went to, 200, there was a, a lot of people there just to watch that Geordie Shaw guy. Uh, yeah, him. Uh, I forgot his name now. Aaron just, Chalmers. Yeah, just to watch him. Uh, which, you know, is what it is. It, it, it makes sense. It's a good business from them. It's upsetting from a fan's point because you would rather have an amazing fighter fight in that slot than, than Aaron Chalmers. But ho-hum. Uh, and they've that they want to come here and do big things here. They had their flagship 200 event here. Yeah, which is crazy. You know you, the UFC would have never even never dreamt had a 200 event. No, no, never had a, their 200 event here, which is a bummer because... I mean, they've only been here, like... UFC have been here under 20 times, yeah. I think, or something crazy like that. So, yeah. Exactly. And and when they're here, it's either a fight night so they don't put their big guys here or it's a pay-per-view and it means that we have to watch a fight till four. Before they used to bring the big guys yeah. over it, but they don't anymore. Like, they had uh, Thiago Alves versus Matt Hughes yeah. before. They had Randy Couture fighting Brandon Vera yeah. before. But now it's like, well, heck, you could even say potentially they did this year, like, Fabio, uh, for sorry, Fabrizio Verdum. For the Fabrizio, the, the headliner was a, was a headliner like of, of notoriety, but the undercard wasn't anything special, or, or the card, the fights below that weren't, weren't anything special in my opinion. There were some big names, some like decent fighters, but it wasn't like it wasn't what you would expect. Like that Bellator two hundred card was solid from start to finish, and it had some big names, had some decent fighters, some decent fights. And then they go back to the UK a couple of months later and do the Liverpool card when you could, like it, in many people's minds, you could have just had one card and just made it super amazing. And do you know what I'm saying? I think it's the Liverpool shame. one was special though because it was Darren. Do you know what? But you could have had, you could have had Darren Till headliner card in Liverpool and just made that the UK card for the year. I appreciate Pete, them coming to the UK more than once. I just don't want them to come to the UK twice and show us really trash cards twice, isn't it? So yeah, moving on then. Um, I understand what you're saying, but we. Literally just talked about Antonio Kyles Jr.'s yeah. fight. Uh, and yeah, it's been agreed. A uh, potential main event bout uh, versus Elias Fiodoro has been agreed for Sao Paulo. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the main event getting another another possible main event. Or maybe a main event. Potentially. That was, well, he's that never... was an awful pun. I was trying to do the... Because his Twitter oh, was the main event. Oh, I was I like, like... I don't know what you're Maybe the main game. event gets a main like, event. He's... It's one of those jokes that has to be written down to, to quite understand. Because the way it's spelled. Exactly. Main I was like, is in M-A-N-E and then main is in M-A-N-E. Because I was thinking, what are you going on about? Yeah, of no, course no. the main event is going to have a main event. I was trying to be really clever with it and I said it straight away and I was like, that makes no sense unless you're actually reading it. In my mind it made perfect sense, but oh, there we go. Uh, as well for that Sao Paulo card, we've got Alex Oliveira. It's going to be taking on Neil Magny, which should be a good contest. Uh, Neil Magny getting back in there. And again, they've um, you spoke about it. Danny Roberts spoke about it and said uh, Magni is the guy to, who you need to beat to break into the top 10 and uh, Alex Oliveira following that advice yeah. um, next one we've got is the next new story yes. three oh, new God. fights as well have been added to Sao Paulo so it's not just the one that I just mentioned um, we've got Ketlin Vieira versus Tonya Evinger which is a high level contest yeah Ben Saunders versus Sergio Marias and Tal's Leites versus Hector Lombard have all been announced for that um, card. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Mamedov Khalidov has vacated Mamed Khalidov has vacated the KSW middleweight title. Um, that's an interesting one. As I've said to you before, Khalidov is probably the best fighter outside of the UFC. Um, it's got a crazy record. 
Um, but if you have a look at, there's a four-man tournament that's been announced. Um, so the first fights have, the, it's a four-man bracket. Um, the first two fights have been announced. So we're going to have Mitchell Matlera. Um, he's going to be taking on Damian Yankelvisky. And then you've also got Scott Askham taking on Marcin Wojcik um, to be the next middleweight champion. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Not, Not much else to say. Nothing else on that one then. Um, hopefully we see Kaladov come to the UFC. I don't reckon we do because no. testing. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. That is gonna uh, that four man tournament is gonna be over here in London in October. Uh, next piece of news story that we've got: uh, ACB um, have continued to cancel some of their uh, cards. So well, ACB eighty nine, ACB eighty nine, ninety and ninety two have all been cancelled, um, as well as ninety one. Um, yeah, strange. Have there been any reasons or just? It might be financial reasons or, or whatever it is, or maybe because obviously they have that ACB, have that UFC partnership now, no? Or was that another organization? That's M1. M1, M1. Uh, I don't see why they would. It, it doesn't make all that much sense to me, but... Up to them, innit? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next card, uh, sorry, the next announcement is Patricky Ferreria, the brother of Patricio Pitbull, uh, is going to be taking on Goti Yamauchi. Uh, at Bellator 205 so that 205 card has got a uh, decent few names on there now um, so yeah it's going to be headlined by AJ McKee and Pat Coran as well as uh, Ravato Jr. Rafael Lovato Jr. as well being on that card so um, yeah we got some uh, decent fights going on there um, but yeah that kind of does it for all the news I've got another little uh, okay. tidbit here oh yeah the yeah. ratings uh, UFC on Fox 30 overnight ratings lowest in history despite the, the fact that the card was amazing which is crazy. So the ratings themselves weren't actually all that bad. Uh, they were 1,461,000. That's for overnight. So that's from the day it was shown, obviously, overnight. until the same time next day. Uh, so not the greatest of ratings, but at the same time, you, you, you've got to think yourself not terrible. But it's just surprising as to how... It's just not translating anymore. I don't know what it is. Like, fans just aren't watching MMA anymore. It's silliness to me. Especially when it's a card like this and, and it's a summer like this. Like, I've been in MMA mood since about the start of June. Maybe not even, since Bellator 200, I've been fully like MMA on, can't wait for this summer, it's action packed, it's going to be crazy, it's going to be amazing. And no one else other than like the actual hard hardcore fans are on it, and I don't understand it why. Yeah. Or don't understand why, but ho uh, I think maybe now that's where we transition to, is hardcore MMA fans just watching the cards. I think so, I think so, at this point it's, it's... Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame, but it is what it is. Uh, and finally then, I forgot about this news story. Uh, Jan Blakovic uh, has officially got his next fight booked. So the number four ranked contender will be taking on Nikita Kyrilov at the co-main event for UFC Moscow. Um, huge fight that, because if yeah. Kyrilov comes in and beats the number one four contender, number one contender fight after that. Yeah. So yeah, big deal. Kyrilov is back in the UFC as well. And that's a huge deal in itself. Not quite a big news story as well, but also uh, the UFC press conference tomorrow. That will probably create a lot of big news stories. Last time there was a press conference, it was the first or second week of the podcast. Mm. And I think we spent like half an hour just talking yeah, about that po uh, press crazy, conference. There's the whole Kobe Usman thing. And, and like, I wanted that. Uh, ah, that will probably be announced that as well. They'll announced. probably be I, there. That is a fight that I want to watch because I think... They could steal that press conference. They could steal that show because Kobe and Usman are both super... Oh, they did last over time. 100% the they did last time. Uh, there's also been a couple of... Uh, 
people speculating that maybe Conor Habib is there, which would be interesting to see. Uh, if they were to announce that fight... Hopefully Till Woodley will be there. Yeah, uh, I've heard, I think that they've been announced. I think Till Woodley has already been announced. been announced. I think UFC officials I'm going to guess Gaethje and Vic is going to be on there as well, because... Possibly, but isn't that a fight night? Yeah. But they have oh, yeah, fight yeah, nights. Yeah, they in do have time. fight nights there. Yeah, Joanne Collier yeah, versus they, they um, Cynthia Calveo a couple of years uh, ago. But yeah, but, but speaking about like the Conor Habib one, I I just don't think they have to have that there. Like I think you could do that Conor Habib one in like a month's time, just at a random place, and people would turn up. Do you know what I'm saying? I reckon they do it after the fact, so they have the press yeah, conference. Yeah, it would make sense to do it. You have Colby Usman smack each other up. Yeah. Uh, like Kiesa Lee, they just go at it, but instead of throwing punches, they both go for the takedown at the same time. <laughs> Um, but and do you then, think the UFC's ego would allow them to to have like a to have their big, yeah have their the big, UFC's ego to have their twenty five year anniversary and oh. then after that have Conor Habib Frankie Edgar and Chan Sung Jung has been announced as well yeah so the Korean zombie is back and I think he cracked Edgar's chin wow becomes the second man to to knock out Frankie Edgar the Korean zombie dang he's uh, Went away, did that military service. And, he uh, did so, you know that he's still in shape because that military came back, service. knocked out Bermudez, yeah. and uh, yeah, just watch watch this space with uh, the Korean zombie. We'll watch it intently, and uh, if he does knock him out, then you'll be some sort of Nostradamus. If he doesn't knock him out, then I think everyone call me Mystic James. Mystic James, because you predict them things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's my last news story. Yeah, mine too. So that, that oh no, it's not. Uh, Sergio Perez versus GCF for Mega has been announced for two two nine. Um, so that's the first fight officially announced for that wow. <laughs> fingers crossed Conor Khabib guard yeah. so uh, yeah number one contenders fight in the flyweight division 239 Conor Khabib yeah which one's uh, MSG 230 uh, 230 ah there we go because then 228 yeah. is Till Woodley um, cool so no yeah that does it for the news and yeah we'll go ahead and crack now into our flashback card right so our flashback card for this week then was UFC 60 Hughes versus Gracie a uh, clash of the generations on this one um, yeah what did you make of the card overall I really enjoyed this one I thought it was a fun card as well it was one of those classic UFC cards a bunch of knockouts a bunch of finishes uh, some massive name fighters or massive now maybe not quite as massive back in the day uh, and some prospects which were prospects at the time but now we look back and think wasted potential yeah 100% there's uh, one man that I will uh, comment on that on it always it always it's always like one of those things when you look back at these cards it's always like ah oh, he was amazing back then but he hasn't translated to anything now he's sort of yeah. like a dead fighter now he was like a slight prospect now he's amazing or i can't believe we were we, like yeah how brandon lucky vera we were. like you have i couldn't believe i genuinely melvin thought Gia you would be melvin gillard as like the fucking show opener basically which is the melvin gillard's a big name in mma in it and you just think to yourself like how crazy it could be now. No, no. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, who, who opened the show on uh, Calgary card? I forgot. Who it was. Uh, the guy who snapped his testicle. Yeah, the guy who's, imagine if he's like world champion in two years' time, and in like 10 years' time, we're looking back at this Calgary card and we're thinking, we cannot believe that this guy who snapped his testicle was opening the card. How crazy could it be? It's just interesting to watch for me, but yeah. No, yeah, but it was a fun card overall. Yeah. Um, there was wasted potential, like I said. I'm looking at you, Brandon Vera. Couldn't believe you yeah. were actually, I actually thought you were going to be a two weight world champ. <sighs> Um, so did a lot of people yeah. so did himself yeah after the fight you called out Chuck yeah well no Joe Rogan called out Chuck and he goes yeah if yeah. you want me to fight Chuck cool <laughs> um, but no yeah cracking in then at the start of the card the first fight of the evening we have Melvin the Young Assassin Gallard versus Rick Davis 
Um, so yeah, Melvin, not an eight and one in his uh, not eight and one no contest in his last nine in real life. Uh, sorry, in current day, but uh, yeah, we'll jump back in time for you, Melvin. Um, yeah, Rick Davis was actually a school teacher, um, so that's an interesting one going into this one. Yeah, uh, it is. I never understand these school teachers that do all this stuff, man. Rick Franklin. It's, just, it's like it, yeah, but it just doesn't translate in it. Like you don't see school teacher fighter. Maybe they need to blow off steam because they don't want to like murder a student. Can you imagine? Just get on top of a student and just like Kevin, sit enough. the fuck down before I come over there and put you in a flying armbar. <laughs> just omoplatting in all your students, isn't it? Just on the floor, just, just looking get like... on the over. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, no, but uh, Melvin Gillard came in with sunglasses indoors. Really, Melvin? Really? Yeah, it's not the greatest of looks. Uh, although sometimes you just can't be bothered. But mine aren't on. Mine aren't on my head. <laughs> mine are on the on the pool table. Mine are chilling. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, I mean, certain people can rock it. Most people can't. It is kind of the douchey look, though, isn't it? It's just one of those things. So but some of that I noticed go. going into this uh, is that they kept talking about Rick Davis is unbeaten. Rick Davis yeah. is unbeaten. Rick Davis is unbeaten. <laughs> Bruce Buffer made the announcement with a professional record of three wins, naught losses, and one draw. So I was like, oh, so he's like basically yeah. fought four times. Do you know what I'm like it's not. And then they announced Melvin Gillard's record: thirty-seven wins, <laughs> six losses, and three draws. And wasn't he only like twenty-three at the time as yeah. well? Yeah. The experience difference between these two men, though, one had four fights mm. and one had forty-six. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and it, it just goes to show that. The UFC quite clearly were hyped on Melvin Gillard. Quite clearly. He was 2-1, and one, I think, at this point. And this was his lightweight debut yeah. as well, just to add a note there. They're quite clearly hyped on him. So they was like, let's give him a, a guy with not much experience that we can hype on the fact that he's undefeated. And it's his debut as well. Even though, yeah. And uh, Melvin Gillard showed why he's an absolute... Or was... <laughs> was, not his, word. Not his. I mean, he's now taking middleweight fights against Israel Adesanya. So yeah, says it all, doesn't it? Uh, why he was such a killer and he looked friggin' fantastic. We had a lot of guys with a lot of experience yeah. in this card as well. Jeremy Horn as well later I think on. That's another thing that you notice when you when you look back you at You don't get cards. it now. Now not so much. Like there's the odd person like Anthony Smith comes to mind where he's like not too old but he has a bunch of fights. Journey back then, man. Yeah. Back then you had a lot of people that had crazy amounts of fights. I think there was a card uh, a guy on this card with a hundred fights. Yeah, Jeremy Horn. Yeah, hundred fights. Could you like uh, finished a record with ninety one wins. Jesus Christ, like I can't even imagine he would fight for free. Like Joe Rogan said, he would yeah. just fight on random undercards. I think that's for a little free. sad, but there we go. <laughs> uh, but no, if we go into this uh, fight, then round one starts. We get a big knee by Melvin early on. Uh, then Melvin connects, but it looks like a slip uh, on Rick Davis. And then I've just got wrote down, oh shit. What a punch by Melvin Dillard, oh Gillard. Goodness. Hot damn. He flew. He flew. I love the lead up to it as well because... He caught him and the guy like sort of slipped. He dropped him, isn't it? Or the guy slipped over. Yeah, he slipped. Yeah, yeah he yeah. slipped over. And uh, Mike Goff was like, oh my God, he caught him. He caught him. And Joe was like, and no, then he was like, no, he, he slipped. Didn't. It. It's all good. He <laughs> slipped, he slipped. And then all of a sudden, Melvin just like, bang, catches him. Not only Sharp doesn't right drop hand. him, he knocks him out on his feet. And then goes to land with the left, but luckily yeah. misses. Because if he caught him with caught that, him with that could have like stood straight back up, could have been awake. That would have been, yeah, exactly. Knocked him back in. Uh, Dangerous knockout, dangerous knockout. He face plants and like bounces his head a couple of times as well. And he rocked him. Yeah. As we saw the rock. Yeah. The rock was there in the, in <laughs> he the was crowd. There with yeah. his hair, he had hair at the time. And I didn't like when Mike Goldberg goes, "Cool, this is the man that knows a thing about fighting." Yeah, I didn't like that either. I was <laughs> what? like, "What? In what universe does he know a thing about fighting?" 
the Scorpion King. Because <laughs> uh, it, it was that. Time, it? Yeah. He, he wasn't wrestling at the time, was he? he was no, 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 this is like 2005, yeah. 2006. Oh, era. my goodness, the Scorpion So this is like the Tooth Fairy Rock as the well. The nastiest film of all time. Oh, the CG. <laughs> I remember that Scorpion King. He like, what, eats CGI. a scorpion or some shit and it becomes a massive human scorpion. How how do you go from that to being the biggest star on the planet? Yeah. <laughs> how do you not get blacklisted from every film? Goodness me, man. But no, Melvin Glark gets the win by knockout. Uh, round one, one minute 37. Uh, our next fight of the evening, though, was Gabriel Gonzaga taking on Fabiano Scherner in the heavyweight division. Uh, two weeks in a row of Gabriel Gonzaga. Um, these two, though, have actually fought before uh, in a grappling contest. Uh, Gonzaga got the win over him, though. Um, Scherner is working out of American top team yeah. uh, for this fight and Gabriel Gonzaga is training out of this is a quote from Mike Goldberg Joe Rogan land so wherever Joe Rogan's from I didn't note down where he's from but um, yeah, according to Mike Goldberg Joe Rogan land is it Joe Rogan from New York? nah no? he's from somewhere Boston? but then moved there he's from somewhere else but he moved Who there cares? but no it yeah literally matters none, Joe Rogan land that's where he's training out of just thought it was an interesting quote. I also think, here's one thing I thought. I think Mike Goldberg said his name wrong. I think he referred to himself as White Goldberg or something, or White Goldberg. I genuinely remember Mike Whiteberg. I had to I had to listen to it a couple of times. And I was like, I think he said his own name wrong, and then just powered through it because he doesn't want to restart it again because it's like <laughs> just shaking. It was hilarious to me. But there um, talking of restarts though, Bruce Buffer had to have a restart yeah. here uh, as he went through his three rounds in the heavyweight division, introducing. This is three rounds here in the heavyweight division. Uh, yeah, the mic weren't working, so uh, yeah. Yeah, the mic weren't working a couple of times that night. Like the only time that I would hear it was through the like the bloody Staples Center. Yeah, all their fault. Yeah. And then I've also wrote "boo." It's Steve Mazagay. Yeah. So round one starts, uh, and as soon as round one started, I came to the realization this is the third Gabriel Gonzaga fight we have seen in the last four weeks. Damn, he's starting to take over the... the... Alex the Spartan. Oh, there we go. He's got his yeah. name mentioned again. He's starting to catch up with the, the legend that is Alex the Spartan Nicholson. Every week. How did it get mentioned again? Because it's our mission in life to make sure no one forgets about the goat that is Alex the Spartan, Spartan Nicholson. <laughs> or maybe it's now the goat, Gabriel Gonzaga. No. You can't take that away from, from the Spartan. Get him out of retirement. I oh, know he's really out of retirement. He fought uh, Alexander yeah, Emelianenko. Yeah. Get him versus Nicholson. Get him for the true, Ooh, undisputed the true MMA, MMA flashback <laughs> champion. <laughs> just buy them a belt and just pay them nothing just for the belt. And it... uh, but no, round one starts uh, and Gabriel Gonzaga with the takedown. But gets straight back up. As Scherner wants him to come back to the ground, yeah. laying on the feet. I hate when they do that, when they lay on their back and then tell him to come in. Because you know the guy is not going to come in. If, yeah. he, if he sees that you want that, he ain't going to come in. Gonzaga stands back up, though, and wants him on the feet. I also think it's a little, like, in fairness, though, MMA is supposed to be, like, the whole sort of, like, real fighting thing. Yeah. In a real fight, no one's going to stand that man back up. Like, if he doesn't want to stand up, he doesn't have to, in it? So I, I understand from that point, like, he shouldn't have to be stood up. But as a fan, like, I don't want to see them lying on their back doing the crap. Gonzaga just kicking his yeah. legs. Yeah, I, I don't want to see that either. Uh, but no, uh, we get another takedown from Gonzaga, but Scherner actually gets a sweep on this one uh, and winds up on top almost instantly. Gonzaga gets straight back to his feet though, uh, but we get a nice knee by Scherner and a nice punch by Gonzaga. Uh, we get a takedown for Gabriel and then we get an illegal upkick, I'm pretty sure, by mm. uh, Scherner. But no one seems to make any notice of it. Yeah. All the guys went, yeah, a kick. And I was like, Gonzaga's got both knees on the yeah, floor, what's going on? Illegal, but 
It's one of those things. Were up kicks illegal at the time? Yeah, because oh. everyone would have been up kicking, surely. Well, well, you know, because we saw it with Arlovski yeah, versus did. Did. Um, Cruz the week, yeah, but we last did. week. So I have no idea what's going on yeah. there. Uh, Scherner wants it back on the ground, but Gonzaga doesn't. Uh, Scherner goes for the takedown. We get a beautiful reversal, though, by Gabriel Gonzaga, who helps him wind up on top. Uh, we get a knee to the body by Gonzaga um, as Scherner pulls guard. I gave that one a 10-9 to Gabriel Gonzaga. As Scherner said before the fight, he wanted to stand with Gabriel, but he's just been pulling guard like, yeah, the whole time. I, I agree, 10-9 Gabriel. It's tough because both these guys are like jiu-jitsu masters. So you knew they weren't going to be the most exciting fight in the world. It's despite nice, the fact that it's heavyweights, isn't it? Yeah. With some nice work on the feet, though. Uh, and with the takedowns, Gonzaga, yeah. Gonzaga was completely in control of the round. Round two starts. Uh, and I've just wrote before the start uh, the round. There's a delay, as Scherner says he can't see. Yeah. The corner man says he's fine, though. Uh, and I've just wrote, when the camera's panning on them, when they're saying, you ready, Scherner looks really uncomfortable yeah. in there. and doesn't look like he wants to be there. Uh, we get a nice punch, though, by Gonzaga, which rocks Scherner, and the ref calls it off straight away. Uh, I actually agree with this. As much as I don't like Steve Mazzucchi, yeah. I think this is one of the smartest stoppages that the, was on the card. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Uh, Scherner just didn't look like he wanted anything to do yeah, with exactly. Gabriel Gonzaga. He was, he was hurt towards the end of the first round, come out in the second round, maybe still hadn't recovered. He was complaining about... Uh, Couldn't see you out of his eye. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but obviously he was cut a little bit. So it's the right decision. Clearly the guy doesn't want to be there. His corner wouldn't let him quit, though. So he, he just sort of, I think he, he kind of quit on himself, if that makes sense. And big up to Steve Mazzucchi. Yeah, for once. Yeah, for once. You've done your job. For once, exactly. <laughs> Not you've done a good job, you've just done your job. Uh, the next fight of the evening, though, we have Matt Wyman taking on Spencer Fisher in the lightweight division. Uh, just a quick notice, Wyman is stepping up on short notice on this fight. Yeah. Uh, so round one starts and Wyman gets Fisher down after working the clinch for ages. So he gets a double leg, I think it was. Wyman, though, ends up with a tight guillotine uh, and Fisher ends up getting out of it. But Wyman ends up on his back and is looking for the rear naked choke. Uh, constantly going for that weird rear naked choke was Wyman, but he couldn't get it locked in at any point. Uh, Spencer Fisher then stands up and gets out of it. Uh, we get a nice jumping knee by Wyman, uh, um, but Fisher drops down at the exact same time and is able to secure a takedown. Uh, Fisher is on top and actually ends up landing a massive elbow on uh, Matt Wyman, which ends up cutting him. Uh, also, at the end of the round, we got a little dance by uh, Spencer Fisher. Yeah. He like jiggled, like, it looked like he was humping him. Like he was in yeah, missionary he, he and was. Got, he got warned by uh, yeah. Big John. Big John. And I've wrote here Big John said he would disqualify him if yeah. he danced again. Which was beyond me. I was like, just let the man dance. Like, it was a stupid-ass dance because I feel like he lost a bunch of that round. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I gave that a 10-9 yeah. to Wyman. Exactly. Like, you didn't um, win that round and it's a relax yourself. But, like, he's not doing him. anything bad in it. But there we go. Uh, still, the 10-9 to Wyman. Uh, he was on top for most of the round and, uh, yeah, looked dominant. Round two starts. We get a nice couple of leg kicks to start the round by Fisher. And uh, both men were really, like, talking to each other. And... I've got to say, I do love this bit coming up as well. Yeah, they were saying, let's, yeah. let's go at it. Uh, Fisher gets back on top after they go to the ground. We get a beautiful axe kick uh, by Fisher to Wyman, who is laying on the floor. Fisher stands back up after diving into the guard. And then we get a big right hand by Fisher, and Wyman puts up his hand to say he's all right and shakes so his much. head. So Victor Fisher, so Victor Fisher, that's a former middle school yeah. player. So Spencer Fisher dives in with a flying knee, walks away. It's all I over. I love that, but he just sort of he gets caught with a punch and he steps back a little bit, puts his hand up and go, shakes his head, no. And then all of a sudden, bang, knocked out. I love it. I love that sort of, uh, what's the, 
you internet thing. Social, uh, not social, uh, instant karma. That instant karma response. I love that. Zane, come great. on. Yeah, and yeah. then boom, flying knee to the skull. The That's guy's like, it. Fuck it, I'll bring it. You want, you want me to come and I'll bring it, innit? Knocked him clean out. So Spencer Fisher there getting the win by KO in round two. Um, one minute 43 into that round. The next fight of the evening was Chael P. Sonnen taking on Jeremy Horn in the middleweight division. Uh, just a quick note before this, this was originally supposed to be uh, Evan Tanner in there. So, um, yeah. Evan Tanner, former yeah. middleweight champion, was supposed to be stepping in with Jeremy Horn. Obviously, Jeremy Horn, former challenger to Chuck yeah. Liddell. The first man to actually beat Chuck Liddell. Yeah. Um, so, he's yeah. already beat Chael uh, prior to this fight, no? So, this was actually a trilogy fight. Okay. Um, yeah. A trilogy fight which he won twice. Which or is... three times, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. First time we get to see Chael P on the podcast. And uh, I've just wrote, Jeremy Horn has probably fought like a million times, so <laughs> that's that one there. Uh, round one starts, and uh, we get Chael working for the takedown straight away. Chael working from guard and is looking to land some punches there. Chael then stacks the guard and lands two huge punches. Horn goes for the guillotine, and it looks quite deep, but Chael is able to get out and is met with a big elbow from Horn, who's uh, got himself in the guard. Herb Dean then stands them up as nothing's really happening. And Chael gets him down on the ground again. I gave that a 10-9 to Sonnen. I uh, thought he did well on the ground and landed two takedowns. I thought even though Jeremy Horn threw out submission attempts, I thought Chael Sonnen was the more active. I agree. Uh, I thought it was a close round because like you said, he had a, he had this solid, solid uh, uh, sub in for, for a little while. Did, uh, did uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Horn. Horn, sorry. But obviously, like you said, Chael Sonnen with the two two takedowns. He looked solid in the first part. With After the first takedown, he, he got some decent ground pound. Looked solid. The sort of kind of like classic chaos on the stuff basically so i gave it 10 9 chaos as well uh round two starts and two seconds into the second round and we get a takedown from yeah. chaos on in uh horn goes for the armbar and almost looks to have it locked up but he ends up letting go and looks for an armor platter instead um, but he's still in a position to get the armbar as he's got like an armor platter he's got a triangle choke he's kind of got everything locked in he then transitions to the other arm and gets the armbar locked in again and Chael taps almost immediately. Yeah. Jeremy Horn goes 3-0 in the series. Not only taps, but screams as well during. He's begging him to stop. He's like, stop, Just stop, stop, tap, stop, tap, stop, tap, stop, tap, tap, yeah. yeah. It's uh, crazy. He didn't seem too happy about that after the fact, but like from a fighter's perspective, you don't stop until the referee pulls you off, isn't it? Like, it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah, Chael P though, losing. Yeah. In his first time on the podcast. So yeah, Jeremy Horn wins by submission in round two in one minute 17. That does it then for all the prelims. I actually quite enjoyed all them. Uh, they were fun, thought yeah. they were real fun. Um, yeah, uh, favourite fight of the prelims? Just if you had to guess. Uh, favourite fight? I like the Gonzaga one. I did like the Gonzaga one. I did also, it's tough because I like the Melvin Gillard knockout. I also like the Spencer Fisher Matt Wyman knockout. Yeah, I, I like that so much. Just the sort of arrogance of being like, "No, I'm good," and then to get dropped like that. I love it. It is. It's in like most knockout compilations. If you ever watch a knockout compilation, it's beautiful, isn't it? So there we go. So yeah, we only needed seven of the twelve rounds that were uh, needed. Yeah, as we saw all finishes during that prelim. Um, the next one though was the main card. Uh, so this is where we start to see. Um, the introductions and stuff so hughes says he's gonna beat him up and then laugh at him yeah and hoist gracie just laughed at the thought of losing yeah so uh yeah different one there i did like hoist's uh little thing i'm gonna i'm gonna 
put in the submission, I'm going to choke him out, waking him up, send him on his way. I did like that. It was, I thought it was very badass. I thought it was very cool. Ahoy, Gracie. Ahoy, Gracie. I am Gracie. Everyone is hoist Gracie. Everyone is hoist Gracie. Oh, my goodness. Even Melvin Gullard, even Dada, even Kimbo. Oh, my goodness. Everyone. I'm not hoist. Is hoist Gracie. I'm Livio, not hoist. Hey, the whole world at one the point whole, said they were hoist oh, Gracie. There we go. Um, but no, uh, it's easy to take for granted Matt Hughes, I think. Um, oh, 100%. He was just outstanding. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said before, he's one of my favourite fighters. I think it's, it's very good because just so, he was like one of the original modern mas- martial artists, if yeah. that makes sense. He's like one of the originators of, I'm not a wrestler, I'm a mixed martial artist. Obviously, he's got that solid, 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 solid racing background. Uh, wrestling background. Said racism. Yeah, background. I did. Say, I said racing background. Oh, I don't know. Wrestling down he, south. We don't know that solid wrestling background. Sorry, he does have and, animals. Yeah. and then uh, he's obviously makes an amazing boxing and sort of like Muay Thai within that. And Pat Miletic as well by your side, yeah. and training partners like Tim Sylvia. You've Man. got a beast of a team down and there. If not for GSP, the greatest uh, welterweight of all time. Yeah. If not for GSP, so uh, there we go. Tyron Woodley. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet, T Wood. Maybe in the in the future, but not yet. Uh, no. Uh, so the first fight of the evening, we had a middleweight contest. We had Mike Quickswick, another contender yeah. for the greatest nickname of all time. It is a good taking one. on one of the contenders for the worst nickname of all time, Joe uh, Diesel Riggs. Not only is it a trash nickname, but he's also got it tattooed onto his belly. On my in belly, blue writing as well. I forgot about that. It's fucking blue. Ah, uh, come on. Trash. Come on. Um, no, so Mike Swick has literally won every single fight inside the first round thus far, hence the nickname yeah. Swick. And Riggs is actually coming off a win over Nick Diaz in his last fight, so stepping up this time to middleweight. Uh, Quick Swick, what a nickname. And we get Nicolas Cage spotted, Cage yeah. side. Oh, with what appeared to be eyeliner on his face. Or was it just his gothic son next to him? Have you ever seen his I son? I have seen his gothic son. His gothic <laughs> son was there at uh, the first oh, ever yeah, card the, we watched. Oh yeah, the um, Pride. The no, first Pride. second ever card we watched, yeah. Pride 33, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Because was there. I remember that, yeah. yeah it was a big talking point, because uh, Nicolas Cage is just uh, one of the weirdest humans ever made. Round one starts though, and we get a nice body kick by Mike Swick. A nice takedown defence as well by Swick. And then we get a lovely head kick. Uh, a guillotine attempt by Swick, and that's it. It's all over. Mike Swick gets the tap and gets the win. And uh, yeah. At 2 minutes 19 via a Swickertine. It's so <laughs> dead. It's exactly the same as it, like. Just. Nicotine. Swickertine. Swickertine. No. Guillotine. Yeah, because it is, because it, it's not. Because it's guillotine, not sweetertine, is it? Uh-huh. Still, though, um, 2 minutes 19 yeah. in the first round. So another first round finish from Mike Swick. We also see Paris Hilton in the crowd. Yeah. And she looked like she was struggling with the format of clapping. Do you know who was next to her? Chuck. No, no. no Kim Kardashian. Was... Oh, Kim. Yeah. Wow. So two people who are most famous for sex Although I don't think Kim Kardashian tape. was famous then. So two women who are famous just for having their sex tapes released. I think Paris Hilton was famous before that. I think she was famous because her like, dad's super famous. She's like, she was like famous for being a socialite, a socialite or whatever it is. Like famous for being one of those. Famous for being rich, basically. Still she had looked like she had no idea what to do with clapping yeah. she was like yeah i can't imagine she's the most smart person in the world i can't imagine she's very clever but there we go yeah and then later on we saw uh, chuck in front of her so you know you know chuck was gonna make her face the pet oh you know chuck's tried it on 
Chuck's an absolute dog from what yeah man yeah I'm the UFC light heavyweight champ yeah I'm <laughs> the, the greatest fighter was at the time the greatest fighter of all time possibly yeah so. pound for pound at the time yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, he's got that bragging rights just tries it on with her why not <laughs> Chuck did she would get destroyed by Chuck she's tiny she is tiny um, the next fight, though, was a heavyweight contest. We had Brandon the Truth Vera, another good nickname. Yeah. Damn, they're pulling all the good nicknames out this time. Versus Aserio Silva in the heavyweight division. In Silva's first ever fight in the UFC, he fought Tim Sylvia. Wow. And this is Tim Sylvia who just lost yeah, the belt. <laughs> that is not an easy uh, debut fight. And also wrote, woo, Brandon Vera. I really like him. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the lads from White Chicks are there as yeah. well in the crowd. Saw them. The Wayans brothers, not just White Chicks. They're like one of the biggest comedy families in America. Not gonna lie, only know them from White yeah. Chicks. Yeah, wow. if I'm honest. The yeah. The Wayan brothers or Wayan brothers, they've got a bunch of big films. They're like a institution in America almost. A bunch of sitcoms and everything. Well, they're from White Chicks. They are from White Chicks. So I've got the lads from White Chicks they are, are here. Chicks. <laughs> it's a shame Terry Crews weren't here. Terry Crews is a part of the family. We d well, but obviously he is also <laughs> he's in that film. film he is in that film he is much better than them to be fair I do love it. I do love Terry Crews we did have Michael Clark Duncan as well in the crowd Michael Clark Duncan why do I know that name but can't picture a face because he's in that film which I can't remember what it's called so I'm now gonna search his name up for you now oh I know who Michael Clark Duncan is yeah, yeah, yeah. he's in uh, he's in Daredevil he's the baddie in Daredevil I think I think he's the baddie in Daredevil. And Green Mile. The yeah. film with the prison and he's the big guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is probably the best description of that film. There we go. In history. He's the big guy in prison and yeah. It is sad that I remembered him from Daredevil before I remembered him from Green Mile though. But there we go. That's my life. So. Still though, he was in the crowd as yes. well. Yes. Um, but yeah, round one starts and Brandon Vera has thrown a lot of strikes early. They all seem to be testing Silver though to see how he'll react. Uh, apparently he got his eye poked at Silver. I didn't see it. Uh, he threw a leg kick, but then the replay confirms he did because he yeah. put his hand out and then threw the leg kick. Um, cool. Brandon went for a kick, but he's got his leg swept by Silver. Uh, he gets back up and Silver goes for the takedown, has him up high, but Brandon Vera, while in midair, yeah. locks a guillotine in and yeah, very tight, very quick, and that's it. Another Heavyweight Brandon Vera was very fun and I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> uh, but it was a really, really sort of thing, he sort of just sort of, sort of just sort of can't speak anymore, kind of, uh, almost like jumped guard as he was being taken down, locked in the body triangle and... Uh, got that solid solid team in. in still Brandon Vera gets the win by submission round one two minutes 39 after the fight Joe Rogan wanted him to call out Chuck Liddell yeah. and he's like if you want me to fight Chuck Liddell I'm okay fight him, yeah. and then Joe was like so you want him I, I don't mind I'll fight whoever I think this was a time where the UFC were definitely trying to push people to fight people they were pushing Brandon sense. Vera yeah 100% yeah, they want and obviously Chuck is the man in it at the time so why not push Chuck or why not have someone fight Chuck in it but there we go next fight was a welterweight contest we had I had to stop myself from saying why not have someone fuck Chuck you want to fuck I want, I want to, to fight, fuck, fuck Chuck. Chuck fight Chuck fuck fight <laughs> um, the next fight there was a welterweight contest we had Diego the Nightmare Sanchez take on John Alessio Sanchez is coming in fresh over a win over Nick Diaz 
Um, yeah, Sanchez's record was wild. Um, he was the Khabib of the previous era. Mm. In terms of performances, maybe not, especially yeah. takedown-wise. Um, but, yeah, in terms of uh, records. Solid-ass record. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to say fuck Mazagay, as he did well earlier. So, Still here's Steve. Fuck no, Mazagay. Here's Steve. Round one starts, and uh, Sanchez shoots, but Alessio sprawls really well. Sanchez lands a right hand whilst rushing in. He goes for the takedown again, but John Alessio is able to defend it really well. Uh, looked like Alessio rocked him then, but Sanchez just dropped for a takedown. Uh, Alessio looked for the Kimura, but stands up once again defending a takedown. Sanchez is now Norton 4 for takedowns as Alessio stuffs it again. Norton 5 as he's trying here for a takedown. He's trying to hide the takedown now. Yeah. Norton 6 as we get another decent sprawl. We get a nice 1-2 as well by John Alessio to close the round out. I gave that one a 10-9 to Alessio, I think. I wrote it's hard to score. Sanchez failed in the takedown attempts, but he was the only proper active yeah. fighter. But I gave it to Alessio as he landed a decent 1-2 at the end. I agree. I think Alessio didn't do much other than, like you just said, that little one, uh, that 1-2. One but uh, I would not be surprised if, if, if a judge gave it to Sanchez. I think Sanchez was the well, aggressor. They did. They yeah, gave him 30 exactly. 27. They did. I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't have been surprised. I disagree with it because, like, I think now it's a little bit different. And, and it's weird when we're scoring it from, like, a standpoint that we're in now, if that makes sense. Because now it's based on aggression, but effective aggression. Like, not just striking, effective striking. Like, you can jab someone a thousand times, but if none of your jabs do any damage and they all hit the shins or, or they all hit the uh, forearms or something, like, that's not hurting someone. Uh, and and Sanchez just constantly going for a takedown isn't necessarily damaging Alessio, but it is aggression. I think at that time that's what people went for. They went for aggression. I think, anyways. I can't remember how they how they used to score it back then. Yeah, it was kind of the story of the fight, really. Um, it was kind of how the fight went the whole time. Like yeah. Alessio weird, just defended. You don't, you don't picture Diego Sanchez in in fights like that. You hear Diego Sanchez and you think. The crazy, fight we saw the other yeah, week. You think crazy fight, but uh, he's also he's also down to give us grind the win out. Yeah. Round two starts and naught for seven now for Diego. Now does that count as a takedown? As Alessio went for a guillotine, I'm gonna say no as yeah. he actively went for the guillotine instead. So naught and eight. Uh, but Alessio gets straight back up after the takedown anyway. As Sanchez gets out the submission, we get a left hand by Diego which connects. Naught and nine. Norton 10 and Alessio is catching him with the jab as well too now um, really solid throughout this round I yeah. thought the jab was we get a nice right hand by Diego Diego tries to rush him but Alessio lands that jab almost every time he runs in Norton 11 the defence is crazy good and then Norton 12 to close out the round 10-9 uh, Alessio yeah. I think the jab is working good and I personally think Diego's losing He's pushing the pace, but he's not doing anything. Yeah, I agree. I think this round was a little bit more obvious, in my opinion, than the, last, than the first round. Uh, I gave it 10-9 Alessio as well. But it was strange because Eddie Bravo disagreed this time, yeah. and he went to Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, again, like it wouldn't annoy me if you went Sanchez this way. I personally just think Alessio did a little bit more. He defended the takedowns, uh, went for a, a submission attempts and, and stuff like that through strikes. Uh, which is slightly more than he did in the first round, so I gave it 10-9 Alessio. Round 3 starts, and we go naught for 13. Uh, the takedown attempts are looking really lazy now. Diego runs in, gets caught with a jab, and misses a takedown again, so we're naught for 14. We get a flying knee attempt by Alessio, 
And that's it. We get our first takedown of the evening. Diego Sanchez is now 1 for 14, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, Alessio literally though, uh, sorry, and then Diego gets his back after um, transitioning really fast. Alessio though just walks over to his corner and is watching them demonstrate how to get out of the choke. Uh, and then, yeah, is like genuinely out. watching yeah. and talking to them the whole time. Alessio uh, then starts to try for a straight armbar, but it doesn't work. Sanchez is actively looking for the choke, and as soon as he hears that 10-second clacker, decides to just strike constantly. I gave out a 10-9 Sanchez, and he might just steal the fight. Second was close, and they could give it to him. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I gave it 10-9 Sanchez as well. Uh, and, and like I said, like you said, like I could see it going Sanchez's way. I genuinely could. But I still personally thought Alessio wins the fight. Won as well. I thought he'd won as well, but I also think when someone wins that last round, it unfortunately sticks in the judges minds more I think it would be interesting it, to, to like have fights scored by nine different judges yeah like it would be really interesting to me to have have nine different judges and they'd all see it a little bit differently uh, but is what it is I suppose and we all know what happens or at least we know what happens those of you that haven't watched the card yet don't but so the official decision came in and Diego Sanchez won the fight by unanimous decision 30-27 and two judges 29-28 I wrote, what? 30-27? Ha 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 ha. All the crowd also thought that Alessio won, booing Sanchez every time his name yeah, was mentioned, is, every time that he was on the screen. Which, let's be real, is rare. Sanchez is a is a much-loved figure in MMA, especially back then. Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah. Imagine going 1 for 14 on your takedown attempts and winning a yeah, fight. like like, once you're like 0-6, 0-7, 0-8, you begin to, like, give up in it. You're like, this hasn't happened to me. Let's just throw and hands. he only got the takedown because he yeah. went for a flying knee. It's not like Diego Sanchez isn't down to throw hands as well. That's the like weird part. Diego Sanchez is like down to to just trade, but for whatever reason he didn't want. This to. was early Sanchez. This yeah. is unbeaten, cautious yeah. Sanchez. Uh, the next fight though was the co-main event in the evening. Were you expecting this? The co-main event: Dean Lister taking on Alessio Sakara mm. in the light heavyweight division. Cool. We get another Alessio. Hopefully, this yeah. one gets the win. Um, also, Dean Lister's nickname is The Boogeyman. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully, you don't eat too many worms. Round one starts, and uh, both men land I think early. We need to clarify that, because I can't imagine too many people remember The Boogeyman. The, the wrestler that used to eat a bunch of live worms and just do like a weird little thing. A super, if I'm being perfectly honest, a super racially insensitive person. Because it didn't seem like he was just being marketed, it seemed like he was being marketed from like an island somewhere. And he's all dressed up in like island garments and stuff like that, and had like a bunch of tattoos on his body and like red face paint and shit, and ate worms. Yeah, but there we go. Big up the boogeyman. Round one starts. Both men land early. And but big up mini boogeyman as well. Mini boogeyman, mini boogeyman was the boy. Round one starts, and uh, both men land early, but Lister gets a right in. Lister goes for the takedown, but pulls guard like straight away after failing. Sakara yanks his arm free after a submission and is still on top. Lister then gets a slick triangle choke him and gets the tap and wins. Dean Lister gets the win by submission in round one in two minutes 20. Very yeah. quick fight. Very quick fight. Uh, I mean, it's what you get. I don't think Alessio Sakara was like a jiu-jitsu player. I think it was like a stand-up stand guy. Yeah, exactly. Like now. <laughs> exactly. So uh, makes sense. Take the stand-up guy down and choke him out. Yeah. What more can you say? Um that does it then yeah. for all the other fights we've got the main event now Ooh. we have Matt Hughes taking on Hoist Gracie at a catchweight 175 pound fight 
Hoist, quote, wants to see Hughes destroy him. Oh. Yeah, I, he, I heard him say that. I heard him say that I want to see him choke me out because all that means is that I, my yeah. thing is good. Yeah, my jiu-jitsu like, is good or something like oh. that. I'm like, fair enough. Um, I also like the whole, I'm not part of the history of this. I am the history of this. I like that. I liked Matt Hughes calling up the Gracie bullshit, though. He's just yeah. like, yeah, no, it isn't the only thing that exists. Oh, 100%. You need everything. Like, it's silliness to just be a jiu-jitsu guy. And we've seen, like, even someone that's as good as, as, good as jiu-jitsu as is... Uh... So did you get the entrances on your fight? Because uh, I didn't. Because I watched the individual fights. I remember, no. So I didn't actually get the entrances. Um, but yeah. So I've just wrote that. So no comment on the entrances. There we go. Um... Cool. Anderson Silver in a pimp coat. Disappointed. Very disappointed. Cecil Peoples is there, so fuck a... Cecil Peoples. Yes. Why is he judging? Why is he judging? Uh, also, Hoist Gracie is claimed his MMA record is eleven and zero. Did they forget that Sakuraba fight happened? Yeah. Um... Yeah. There's a lot of like fishiness like that with early UFC and with Hoist Gracie in general, isn't it? Yeah, you're not eleven and zero. Do you forget the Sakuraba fight, son? Round one starts. Uh, why have they both got red tape on their gloves? One should be the red corner, one yeah. should be the blue corner. Don't give me this, oh, they're even bullshit. Hoist, uh, throwing out all them strikes. I've wrote, is this Bellator 149 again? Oh, my goodness. Hughes beautifully gets Hoist to the match. Strikes is an overstatement for what he was throwing. Though. Okay, he was like, just nothing throwing special. feints. Yeah, it was nothing special. Um, but no, Hughes beautifully gets Hoist on the mat using one of Hoist's own techniques early from the early UFC days. Matt is happy to be sat in side control and then ends up moving into crucifix. We get a half guard now. Uh, nice by Hoist this time. Um, Hughes has a Kimura and Hoist's face during that submission My the whole time. Goodness. He was so calm. So calm. He stretched the arm out. I it looked know. snapped. It looked... His, his palms had done a full 360 rotation. His hand had been rotated. And I genuinely mean a full... Say your palms facing up. 360 it and have it facing up again and then maybe do another like 180 or something like that's how many times it was mad it was, just, it was disgusting and his face the whole time was just as calm but, as anything but that's what you know like anyone other than like a, a jiu-jitsu like third degree black belt like hoises or whatever it is would not be able 23rd to 23rd degree do you know what i'm saying like anyone other than like a, a proper jiu-jitsu black belt would not be able to to not panic in that situation like you know hoist has been in that situation before like you know his brothers and his cousins or whatever it is have put him in that situation. Hughes then gets his back after a beautiful transition. Uh, he flattens him out and then Hughes starts to land some huge ground and pound. He sits up on back mount and destroys him. He goes so much more faster as Hughes, as soon as Big John says, Hoist, you need to work. Then he just turns it on yeah. and that's it. Matt Hughes gets the win in one, uh, sorry, in round one, four minutes, 39. And uh, yeah. Shows that the new school of MMA exactly. had come through. Exactly, and that's why he's... Uh, he, he just proved it, innit? Like we, we said earlier, he's one of the originators of that sort of... Uh, or he was one of the first guys that showed how good, how important it is to know a little bit of everything and not just be really good at one thing. I thought it was hilarious. They showed the Gracie family. Yeah. And was, the old man yeah, <laughs> just sat there. Julio Gracie oh. did not seem happy. <laughs> he must have been like 102 at this point as well, innit? He could not have been happy, but there we go. He was just... Sad, just it is looking sad, off. Though. It is, it is sad, and I understand why it's sad, isn't it? Because like MMA is, is so heavily intertwined with Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. I hate that I laughed at it. It's yeah. just hilarious. He was just sat there, just looking off, happy. like, oh, he wasn't happy. And I suppose if you're like, 
uh, just a casual fan and I'm sure there was a bunch of like casual fans oh, like, who is this man yeah exactly do you know what else was weird when they went into that makeup how many friggin douchebags were doing the devil horns oh did you see how many people were Are you doing sure it's not rock or rock horns I thought I think that's what it like, is yeah. it is rock but it's the devil yeah. horns because like rock stars do the whole sort of oh. devil thing yeah so many people were doing the like rock fingers the devil horns and I was just like that's the douchiest hand symbol in the world like come up with something else in it now though it's the shaka innit now people do the shaka oh my goodness it never changes innit but um, no one thing that did make me laugh as well though not just the Gracie's being sad but Tim <laughs> Sylvia um, yeah. yeah he kept it up he walked into the ring to celebrate with Hughes with his belt on yeah. as always Tim Sylvia never took that belt off there's a rumour that when he won the belt he actually slept with it on um, and he would literally go to bars and things just wearing the UFC belt being like yeah I'm the UFC champion why not like, if you're the champ why not he literally wore that thing <laughs> everywhere at that time uh. Um, no, though, Matt Hughes gets the win by TKO in round one of 4 minutes 39. Uh, they show Chuck Liddell in the crowd, and he's happy that Hughes won. Then they ask Hoist Gracie, um, will you fight again? And he goes, maybe. Yeah, uh, and we know Hoist, that he did though, fight again. beat Sakuraba and then tested positive for steroids and said, I don't know what they are. Yeah. And then the fight didn't get overturned. What happened there? And then beat Ken Shamrock in Bellator. Yes. Uh, which we watched. We did watch on His only win by strikes. Yes, uh, although a fishy win, shall we say, with the whole. He story. kicked me in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. Uh, you know what you did, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Frank, Ken. Ken, sorry. I always, I don't get them confused because I know which one's which, but I always get the wrong name. Ken is, uh, is something else, man. Is something else. He kicked me in the dick. I would not be surprised if we saw Ken fight again. Good lord. I would not be surprised if we saw Ken fight again. Good but yeah that's it for the card yeah that does it then for this one uh, if we go into what we uh, no we'll talk about did you enjoy the card overall 100% uh, I really liked it it's very rare that you find an old UFC card that people don't enjoy at this point uh, almost all of them are really really fun it's just got everything it's got names it's got knockouts it's got submissions the fights don't last too long it's fun because it's one of those cards that, that I don't think that the uh like actual show itself if that makes sense the sort of uh display or whatever you would like to call it is as good as it is now i think now it's a lot more fluid it's a lot more sort of like cutting edge and modern it's quite clearly not as modern there because it's not modern it's back in time but I, it's still funny how you can just sit down and watch this these cards in it because they flow yeah just so easily so easily um but no the next card then that we are going to be watching uh gonna go ahead and reveal it to everyone now we're going to be watching one from drum roll please Wait, I can't do a drum The <laughs> Elite XC. Yes. We are going to be going back and watching, and we're going to be watching a Kimbo fight. Yes. Yet again. Um, Kimbo's second time? Third time? Second time, sorry. Yeah, second time second on time. the podcast, but this time it's not going to be a great road for Kimbo. No. We're going to be watching Elite XC Heat, where we saw the main event of Seth Petrozelli stepping up on literally like 10 hours' notice. Yeah to fight Kimbo Slice after Ken Shamrock pulled out. So we could have been watching uh, Ken versus Kimbo here. Goodness gracious. The co-main event, we see Jake Shields defending his Elite XC Welterweight Championship against Paul Daly. We've got Roy Nelson versus Andre Arlovsky, Gina Carano, and Mario Hua versus Benji Radak. Yeah, decent enough card. I don't know if the prelims are anywhere. It says here they're unaired, but on the prelims, Chris Cyborg fights. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if the UFC 
has the prelims. Uh, if it has the prelims, you get to see the return of the record game. So uh, yes, let's hope the prelims are there. Let's hope the prelims <laughs> are there. Uh, it's been a while since I sucked at that game, so it's, uh, it's important that we let the world know that I'm still trash at that game. I mean, look at these names: Nikolay Curry versus Jorge Buchat. Would not get that. Oh, right. I want to. I want right to look at them records. Ooh, I mean, we're more than welcome to. More than welcome to look it up, up even if they're not there. Just yeah. get some. You could just be like, up. hey, here's some fights. That happened in that card. Which we can't watch. There we go. Or review. Uh, but no, yeah, that does it then for the flashback card for this week. Obviously, next week's going to be Elite XE Heat. Yeah. Moving into this week, we've got a couple of cards coming up for you guys. We've got the PFL 5. Um, should be an interesting event there. Uh, I think it's the lightweights and the light heavyweights which are going to be fighting on this one. Um, so on the prelims on Facebook Watch, we've got Chris Wade versus Yuki Kawana. We've got Tiago Tavares versus Arthur Eskers, Esterazulas in the lightweight division. Both of them fights. And then the light heavyweights have got Dan Spawn versus Artur Alibotov. Then on the main card, we've got the lightweight Will Brooks taking on Robert Watley. In the light heavyweight division, we've got Maxim Grishin versus Rakim Cleveland. The lightweight Rashid Magomedov is going to be taking on Luis Firmino. The light heavyweight division has Vinny Magalhaes taking on Brandon Halesley. <laughs> and in the lightweight division, we got Jason High taking on Nathan Schult. Uh, so just a quick notice on this one. Um, Afren Esquadero actually weighed in at 162 pounds. So officially his fight has been wiped from the records. Um, I can't remember who he was going to fight. If I'm honest, yeah, might have enough. been Chris Wade. I'm not sure though now. Saying that, I regret everything. Um, no, Robert Watley. No, he was he was fighting someone. Someone, and he, it's been cancelled because of massive, massive weight miss. Yeah, huge weight miss. Um, so yeah, we'll maybe bring you. Well, no, we will. We'll bring you the results of that next time out. The main card of the weekend is UFC 227. It's not the most appealing card out there, but I reckon we could have some show-stealing fights. So if we go ahead and look at the fast fight, we've got Marlon Chico Vera taking on Waligi Buron. I thought it says Waligi then. I was mm -hmm. like, what is he doing here? Get back in Mario. Um, no, in the bantamweight division though. So it should be an interesting one, should that? Yeah, similar records from the guys. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't know much about uh, Waligi. Uh, obviously Mar Marlon Chigovera is a somewhat well-known fighter at this point uh, so for that reason I'd have to go with Marlon Vera just because I don't know much else about the Wuluji guy unfortunately yeah uh, next fight is a women's strawweight bout we got Welly Zhang who's 16-1 and one, mm -hmm. versus Danielle Taylor who's 9-3 and three. should be an interesting bout see if Zhang uh, is decent enough to hang in the UFC 16-1 yeah. and one at the moment is the uh, number one women's Chinese fighter in the world um, yeah, her UFC debut going to be taking on uh, Danielle Taylor. Fair enough. Uh, again, I can't make a prediction on this one because I don't know anything about Weili Zhang, innit? Big up then, too. There we go. <laughs> the next fight is Jose Shorty Torres, who last time out got the big win after yeah. his opponent knocked himself out. <laughs> um, well, I say that. He, like, DDT'd him, yeah. kind of. Um, he's going to be taking on Alex Perez in the flyweight division. So uh, according to Tapology, uh, the 19th versus the 25th worldwide flyweight fighters. Um, should be a good fight this one. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it. I think it's the main event of the fight pass prelims. Yes. So uh, should be a good fight should that one. Hopefully Torres can keep up his undefeated streak. But coming up against a veteran, a 24 fight veteran yeah. in Perez. 
So it should be a tough fight. We've got Shamon Marias taking on Matt Sales in the featherweight division as well. Uh, should be a decent fight, this one, as uh, Shaman Marias comes into this one after losing to Zabit in his last fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas we have Sales, who's 7-1 and one currently. UFC has him as 0-0-0. Do they? They, they genuinely have him written down as 0-0-0. And I was like, there's no way he's 0-0-0. He's fighting a guy that's had 10 fi- uh, 11 fights at this point. Oh, well, he fought on Dana White's Contender yeah. Series. Um, yeah, and uh, probably going to want to get a win. There we go. We've also got a bantamweight division matchup. We've got three bantamweight division matchups all in a row on the prelims. We've got Kyung Ho Kang, who is 14 and 7. Uh, won his last two fights in the... Won his last three fights in the UFC, sorry. Um, going to be looking to continue that streak. He's going to be taking on Ricardo Ramos, uh, who's currently 11 and 1. Um, he is also I on a like, three fight win streak. I do like Ricardo Ramos, and I will pick him for this fight. Currently on a three-fight win streak. Won by spinning back elbow yeah. in his last contest. Should be a good one, this one. 100%. Maybe a show stealer. Yeah. Next fight, we've got Ricky Simon, 13-1, and one, uh, who beat... Oh, won the fight by... Uh, beat Mirab Dishvili. Uh, remember yeah. in the round three, five-minute choke? Yeah. Yeah, the big controversial fight in his last one. Uh, currently on a pretty good win streak. Six-fight win streak is him. Uh, he's going to be taking on Montel Jackson. Is he another Dana White guy? Do the Night Contender Series? No. Because they have him down as 0-0-0 as well. Let me have a look then. Uh, so Ricky Simon. Are you a Dana White Not Ricky contest? Simon, Montel Jackson, sorry. Oh, yeah, he might be. Because they've got him down as 0-0-0. Right, let's have a look then. Montel Jackson, though, is 6-0. There we go. Um, yeah, coming into this fight should be a decent one. Almost as if they don't want to count them after the fact. Dana White Contender Series. Do they not want to, these people to have fights beforehand? Do they just not exist or what? Goodness gracious. But there we go. Still, though, uh, going to see a battle between them two. We then got a really interesting bout in the bantamweight division. Mm. We have Pedro Munoz taking on Brett Johns. Obviously, Johns got beat by Aljo in his yep. last fight. And uh, Pedro Munoz ended up getting beat by John Dodson by split. Before that, there was on a four-fight win streak. So it could be a real interesting bout, this one. Um, could be a way to break into the top 10 for both guys. Yeah, uh, obviously Brett Johns wants to get back into the swing of things after losing his first ever fight, like you mentioned. Uh, I think he probably gets it done, to be fair. I do like Brett Johns, uh, although I don't like his nickname. It's one of my least favourite nicknames. Pikey? The Pikey. Yeah. It's not great, but there we go. Next fight is the first fight on the pay-per-view. We've got Thiago Santos taking on Kevin Holland. Uh, Santos... Oh, yeah. Kevin Holland, naught, naught, and naught. Again. So potentially could be a Dana I think White contender. Dana White guy. If I click on, I'll this have one. a look in a sec. Um, but no, uh, Santos was on a huge streak before losing to David Branch um, a couple of months ago. He actually beat Anthony Smith as well. Uh, his last victory was against Smith. So um, yeah, I that's think it's huge. Just, when you look at this, because when you click on click on his record, it does say thirteen and three. Yeah, he beat. Will Santiago on yeah that was like not long ago yeah, that was in June it does say 13 and 3 when you click on his on his actual thing on his like fighter profile on the UFC app so they're just not great but uh, yeah I'm looking forward to this one a little bit because I think those Dana White uh, Tuesday Night Contender Series guys are actually really really decent they're all ones to watch for so. Tiago Santos though yeah someone who knocked out Anthony Smith in his yeah. last win so that's huge yeah 
it is it is but it's also important to note that anthony smith is now upper weight class and he's looking like an absolute animal so it may, might not be the same anthony smith that we're seeing well, now maybe tiago santos if he goes up <laughs> tiago santos could also be another animal wouldn't it so but i don't just, think he'll, he'll yeah um next fight though we have poliana viana taking on jj aldrich poliana viana is 10 and 1 as a professional uh currently holds one win in the ufc and uh yeah so second fight on a pay-per-view card as well yeah uh, going to be taking on JJ Aldrich. Aldrich is two and zero in the UFC, two and one in the UFC. Um, yeah, six and two overall. Should be an yeah. all right contest in the straw weights. Uh, now we move on to the heavy stuff and the good fights. Not to take away from the yeah, other ones, the bigger, but bigger names, the bigger names. Yeah, uh, the featherweight division is going to see Cub Swanson take on Renato Cariano. What a fight this one is. Yeah, uh, come back, getting back in. Cub's one of those guys you always think that he's he's always like teasing retirement, always teasing like not fighting anymore, and he always takes another fight, and he's always and he always does well, always does well up until a certain point where he doesn't do well. If that makes sense, do you see what I'm saying? Like always, when he's just on the verge, he ends up losing a fight or something. Last win over Artem Lobov. Yeah, <laughs> uh, one of the greatest of all time in Artem Lobov, obviously. Uh, but no, uh, two fight losing streak at the moment. Uh, losing to Ortega and Edgar and uh, Carniero in my opinion is one of the next big prospects at featherweight 12-1-1 mm. uh, sorry yeah 12-1-1 beat Calvin Cater in his last yeah. fight looked mega impressive with them leg kicks only losses to Brian Ortega where he had a lapse of concentration yeah. in the third round beat Jeremy Stevens as well big man to watch yeah, out for Renato is ranked within the, inside the top 10 at this point as well so with a win like this, you'd probably jump up to that, maybe even fifth, innit? Yeah. You could very easily see him jumping into that top five, taking Cobb Swanson's place in that top five, possibly. So, uh, Real interesting fight, Exactly, I think. really interesting. Another another reason why the, the 145 division is definitely one to watch out for. Next fight is the co-main event of the evening. we got Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson defending his flyweight belt against Henry Cejudo. This is a real interesting fight, as when they first fought, Cejudo was predominantly known as a wrestler. Yeah. Now Cejudo's worked on his striking massively and looks really good in that department too. Um, I think it's going to be a lot more closer than the last fight. I thought last time DJ went in there and just destroyed yeah, him. Yeah, 100%. Uh, took him out in his own game and ended up winning the fight. I do think DJ's going to win again. Uh, I'm going to give DJ a fourth round sub in this one though. Uh, I am going to go, he knocked him out in the last right fight, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with like a bunch of body kicks body knees and stuff knees, like that yeah. isn't it uh, I am going to go DJ third round stoppage uh, let's go let's go sub I think he subs him again I think DJ doesn't care I think a lot of talk's been like you just said uh, talking about that Suhudo's improved yeah but DJ is the one fighter that you can say has always improved like every single time every single he's every time he's that he goes in exactly every single time and if you watch the guy this isn't his first rematch and every time that he rematches, he wins more de decisively. Look at the Benavides fight. Look at the yeah. Dobson fight. He always looks exactly. better. He looks better every rematch. I would really like to see him take on Dominic Cruz. Just Again? to see how that yeah, would happen. Yeah, just see how it's progressed. If Obviously, they're talking about the Dillashaw fight. And Cruz is I talking think... about how he is cleared to fight now. And wants a fight announcement soon. Yeah, the Dillashaw fight scares me a little bit for him. Because Dillashaw does have that power in his hand. But how is Dillashaw so going to be at 125? Yeah, because will his power leave, translate? That power, yeah. that power might leave. You never know. Uh, have you watched the embededs? The, no. Uh, DJ's brother or brother-in-law or cousin or some sh something like that is going. Here's what I think you should do. 
I think you should win this fight, obviously. Then go up, fight TJ if TJ wins his fight. Get two belts, drop them, and say, I'm done. That's it. I'm good. Eh, it's not a bad one. I think... If, I don't think he does that. No, no, neither do I. But I think do you, he would be comfortable yeah, to stay there. But do you think hypothetically, and it is a hypothetical, if DJ gets two belts, greatest of all time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's the record? Be, had two exactly, belts. I think you yeah. have to be because I. What Demetrius Johnson is talking about, he talked about it on the media call. What he wants to do, he wants to go to all different organizations and win all their belts yeah. while staying with the UFC. So being like a belt collector, he said he kind of how they used to want to go with when one Chuck FC. Used to go fight at Pride and stuff like that. Yeah. He says he wants to go to one FC. Wants to go to Bellator. He wants to go to um, what's your uh, Rising? He said he wants to go there and win all their belts and then come back and bring them all to Dana, but still fight in the UFC at the same time. I think he could, but here's here's the like UFC would never allow it. Yeah, they, they would never, never, ever, ever allow it. Uh, it'd be a silly thing for them to do, despite the fact that you would get the the thing not just the UFC wouldn't allow it but other organisations wouldn't allow it because why would you be better to come like, in a one yeah, fight come and win, come and win our belt and then take it back to the fucking our, our biggest rivals, rivals yeah no it would never happen but there we go still it's though nice main event of the evening we've got TJ Dillashaw versus Cody Garbrandt the rematch that no one was asking for mm. um, granted it's a real fun fight again yeah. um, but I think TJ knocked him out last time and Garbrandt didn't really deserve a rematch he didn't defend the belt once why did he deserve that rematch? Uh, I'm going to go with TJ to get the win again, though. Uh, I'm going to go with a classic Dillashaw performance. Uh, he's going to strike him out. He's not going to land too much power. And in the fourth round, he's going to knock him out. You reckon? I think this is a little bit closer. I think the the, the danger that Cody has is that he, he tries to manage his distance. And if you don't manage that distance correctly with TJ, he can knock you out. So that scares me a little bit. Uh, and I do think that DJ gets it done again. I don't think he knocks TJ. him out. TJ, sorry. Uh, I don't think he knocks him out. I think it's probably a decision. Cool. Uh, so I'm going TJ fourth. You're going decision. Decision. So yeah, I've got both fights in the fourth. And that's tough for me to pick because I love Cody, man. I hate him. I know that's you why hate him. I'm just hoping like he destroys Cody. him. I like Cody. Destroys him badly. Eight knockdowns in the fight. I genuinely think... Uppercuts his head off to end it. I honestly think they could market Cody to be the next big thing. Have you seen all his racist tweets that have been found out? No. I did not know. Yeah, I don't think you want to see them tweets. Fair enough. He, uh, a lot of them got found out. Profound Mike Perry wannabe, to say wow. the least. A lot of uh, end bombs. stuff. Yeah. Well, there we go. But no, that does it then for this week. Um, episode 15 is in the books. Next week, we'll be doing episode 16, and then we've got a little bit of an announcement as well. Uh, so yeah, that does it for this week here at the MMA Flashback. I've been James. And I've been Livio. And we'll see you guys all for the next one.